Hey guys, this is Fei Wu, your host for the show, and this show is called Fei's World. And this week, I want to do something a bit different,、uh, which is to riff a bit. If you're expecting this to be an interview episode, well, it's not. It's me talking directly into the mic with little to no editing, and I want to capture this moment because I think otherwise we'll be lost. And this episode is called Humanity and Humility, and this is about moments that bring you down to your knees. In this case, it brought me down to my knees, but I was able to get up again. And this is related to the most recent. Um, medical situation. My mom is in, and、um, if you have just gone through something very emotional or maybe even tragic in your life, maybe this is the episode for you. And I will let you know the fact that there is no gory or scary details about、uh, my mom's hospital experience. In fact, it's just the opposite. It's very pleasant, and she is not someone. Who will bring her knees down,、um, or bring her down to her knees when things like this happen? And it really gave me a lot of respect, or kind of look at my mom in a, through a different lens, you know, to realize that what cheers her up and what brings her down. So it was a fantastic learning experience, to be honest, for me. But I want to take this opportunity and talk about the things that we lived through because so much of what we do as creators is about productivity. It's about creating, and that is just wonderful. And I feel like for a few years I fell into that trap of never thinking that I've done enough. I want to do more for myself、uh, and even more for my clients. And I want things to go smoothly. I want to be、uh, in my top shape. In terms of creativity and my learning and and all of that, and my life since early, the very early 2020 has really changed. Not to mention the the crazy ongoing coronavirus that's just hitting every single news channel since the middle of January. But here's what happened, and I really appreciate you kind of letting me share my experience because I recorded this episode. Largely for me, I think it's really important to talk about the wonderful moments in your life. To me, the good news is there is good news at the end of the episode. But to live through all the moments, all the experience beforehand, sometimes you really wish that you don't have to. But we're all human beings, and this is part of everyone's lives. And I think of those people who gave me the courage. Uh, to get through this, because I know people who have. I personally have gone through this, but it's very different with my mom. As some of you guys know, if you're new to the show, I don't expect you to know this, but my dad did pass away and was exactly 10 years ago, in、uh, December 2009. And my mom came over to visit me at the very end of、um, December 2019. Within days, I decided to take her to a primary care doctor. Simply. Trying to visit her new doctor because her、um, old doctor isn't working in the same office anymore, and in order to establish care, she needs to see her new primary care. So on January second, I took her there, hoping that they will do some, you know, routine tests and and be able to prescribe her、um, with the medicine she needs, mostly diabetes and blood pressure. Simple routine. And what ended up happening was、um, her doctor detected a large pelvic mass, and I just remember that moment having to translate this news to her. I had no idea how to do it. You know, I kind of froze, and this 
hit me uh, like this huge shock, like a shock wave. I just wasn't prepared for it mentally or physically. I I was completely shook, and I eventually told her. It took me a few seconds, and she paused and she had to process information. All of a sudden, she remembered about a year and a half ago she did have、uh, an MRI, and that revealed something that's a、uh, uh, that appeared to be a very small cyst. And between her travel and my mom's, you know, she had some medical sort of、uh, um, blood pressure issues late. 2019, and she's by herself. She doesn't really have anyone. I was living with her in China, so she kind of forgot about it and ignored it. And all of a sudden, this、uh, small cyst has turned into something rather big. In fact, by the time of this notice, we had no idea where、um, the cyst belongs to.、Uh, we we don't know the severity, the size of it. And her immediate reaction was she didn't want to cause me any trouble. She said, "You know what? When I go back to China、um, in mid-March, I will take care of it." When I translated what she said to the doctor, he was not happy because he really wanted us to take care of this、uh, in a more serious way. And his immediate reaction—maybe some of you guys have experienced this—was that this can be serious. You guys need to look into this. Get the CT scan, everything done. I will write everything out for you, but you need to go see a specialist because this could could potentially be cancer. And I just remember the word cancer hit me right away and was giving me an ulcer right then and there. Almost literally, I felt this.、Uh, I mean, I personally. You know, I actually have a history of、um, uh, GERD uh, and、uh, acid reflux, so definitely did not sit well with me. And、um, but I really appreciate the doctor for being so diligent, you know, testing everything out. Now that was only the second of January. What happened? And as a, I think as something that we need to. Talk about and think about as caretakers for、um, our siblings or our parents is you really don't want to spend the next two weeks in between your primary care appointment and your visiting specialists to be about WebMD or trying to research online. Now we're all curious. You might want to take a look for I don't know twenty thirty minutes or so. Do your research, understand the basics, understanding the terms, but don't just keep going. And I knew I had the tendency to keep going, and I remember just middle of the day, first thing during the day, or when I go to sleep, I I just couldn't help it. You could see that blue light in front of my face. I had to know, and of course my instinct was driving me to、um, look at things like. Ovarian tumor, ovarian cancer, and the survival rate for that particular cancer, at least as of five to ten years ago, was really bad because women who discover that usually is later later stage、uh, cancer, and it was very very challenging for me. Now, in retrospect, I realize that it was much harder than、uh, I anticipated, even though. And by the way, I thought the hardest part for me as an immigrant woman、um, was to have to put on a poker face in front of my mom and feeling that I did not want to worry her, and I couldn't really share this with a lot of other people. So I kind of kept it to myself. I didn't really、uh, tell her sisters who、uh, live in the Boston area as well, and my mom. 
kept most of this to herself, except for very few friends that she uh, she knew back home. And my partner Adam was extremely supportive, and you know he's got the researcher mind, so he did some of the research without me having to read all the numbers. And I have to say that you know the day that we went to get the CT scan and having her having to watch her, you know, uh, put on IV and you know drink. This thing, this liquid, literally was like 24 ounces or something like that. That took her about an hour and had to go through the machine. It was very challenging for me, and I remember just standing in front of the windows and looking out into this parking lot and just praying for her. And the results came back、um, three days later, and I decided to go see her primary care by myself so that I didn't have to translate anything on the spot, and I didn't want her to worry or how I would. Process this, and it turned out to be a really large mass, 17 centimeters by 16 by 15. So, I mean, later later on, we we joked about it being a kind of a small watermelon, and it is definitely not a baseball sized thing. So I was even more concerned since the test, and the primary care doctor was also extremely concerned. And I just remember, you know, reading the reports, not understanding everything. And my life still had to go on. I still have to see my clients and take care of things. And thinking about that, I really need to get paid. I need to be more productive, more creative, and do more work. I don't know, share more podcasts and 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 just keep going. By the time I took my mom to see a specialist in Boston here, and as you guys know, Boston has some of the best hospitals. It was. Very, I wouldn't say exactly comforting, but it was reassuring in terms of、uh, the experts' diagnosis. Or, you know, she's so kind; she did not firmly predict anything, but said it was very unlikely that it would be cancerous. By the time I heard that, man, I was ready to get up and just cheer for everyone. But I knew that it would be too early. Still, until at that point, you know, as you're waiting for the appointments. It had been another two weeks before I could talk to someone, before I could hear that the potential of, of、uh, cancer being low—that was just extremely comforting. I want to say that for since the initial primary care,、uh, you know, exam, to what you know happened to be later on of speaking to a specialist, I was testing myself. Very in a very difficult manner, I try to meditate, and then said to myself, "You know what? Let me see how I can grow through this experience,、uh, because I know that there's one person I can control is my own emotions. It's okay to feel negative from time to time, but it's not okay to crumble. And let me take this opportunity and you know really prepare myself for it." I didn't know what that entailed, but I wanted to basically give myself the permission to still. Laugh, smile, enjoy the moments. So, what made me really happy, guys, during that time? And if you're in the same situation, is my mom and I both love shopping so much、uh, for clothes. We don't need anything extravagant. We love discount shopping, and I know precisely the store she loved. So I took her there, and I took her grocery shopping, which is obviously more constant, more like a regular routine. And she loves to cook. And I, I have to say that I treasured every moment with her. It got a little intense one time when I was at Super 88 here in Boston, which is a 
Asian uh, grocery store, which is a place where my mom happens to spend easily 45 minutes to an hour. She would like literally examine every single vegetable and pick her favorites. I could see that after all that she's gone through and she is the patient and it did not fear her. And I would say my feeling probably was way more intense and in probably in some ways much more negative than hers. And just watching her shop, I, you know, I remember just asking her to take all the time she needs and she will go for it and and I would just watch her. I remember myself watching her from afar and feeling, you know, just just enjoyed watching her and I thought to myself, wow, what what if this is I don't know how much longer I'll have her. I, these thoughts were so, I know, so negative and, and unnecessary, but they were there. I confronted myself. I caught myself thinking it that way. And I remember watching her walk around and the tears will come down. I'll quickly wipe them off and, you know, and coming home and I would hug her in a very different way than I used to. I'll, I'll hug her and silently I will pray that she will be okay. And I pray to the universe, to the earth, my dad, who's gone, but not to take her too soon, you know, all those things. And meanwhile, all what me, all this is going on by mid-January, the coronavirus in China hit, and it's immediately affecting our family and friends. Though we're very fortunate to see our friends and family safe and sound, the lockdown is still impacting everybody's quality of life. And specifically, I'm referring to people we know, family that we have in Beijing and Shanghai in particular. Um, now the next phase is preparing for surgery. My mom's word of peacefulness and she, you know, it was the moment which is which is great because we don't have to wait till when we absolutely need to have that conversation. She told me that whatever happens, and by the way, this was not the first time, this came up even two years ago when I wasn't ready, but she was. And I'm really proud of her for bringing it up. And I encourage any parents and their kids to consider having this conversation. There are scripts you can follow online. I mean, there are tutorials, there are cheat sheets. You don't have to make up the vocabulary yourself, but to talk to your loved ones about how you want to be treated, how you want to live your end of life. And so my mom initiated again, and this time I knew I had to listen, be patient with her. She says she, whatever situation happened now or 20 years or 50 years from now, whatever it may be, she does not want to receive unnecessary treatments. Now, I know that is a kind of a, it's a vague description, but basically what she's asking for is she doesn't want to be treated if the medication isn't really improving her, um, you know, quality of life or it means that it's, you know, it's not really helping her. I guess the technical term really need to be defined by the doctor that you're dealing with. And I knew what she meant. You know, I was proud of her. I was proud of us for having that conversation. Still didn't, wasn't easy. And she said that she was very proud to be my mom and she feels like her life is very complete. I'm like, okay, that's really too early, but thank you for letting me know. And I smiled. So the surgery was yesterday. I, I, um, yesterday, all this happened. It was February 6th, 2020. And I, uh, my partner Adam brought both of us to the hospital. Adam and I discussed um, and strategized that this is going to be the long game, right? We knew this is a marathon, not a sprint, most likely. So let me be at the hospital so Adam can go home, work, and rest, whatever it needs to be. This could be a multiple day thing, depending on the type of surgery. Uh, there's a good chance it will be laparoscopic if it is non-cancerous, but 
if there's any sign of it potentially could be cancerous, then there will be a bigger incision. Mom will need to be hospitalized for three days or so. So we prepared her clothes and I made sure mom had her bag to prepare things that she thinks she will, she might need in the hospital, which I think is a really good exercise because you don't want to just take over. You want the patient, you want the, the family member to know what she's bringing. And the eventual delay to the surgery was two and a half hours. That was very unsettling for us. We checked in at 8.30 in the morning, sharp, and then we sat there until I think about 10.45. And we had this pager that was supposed to be super loud and it finally did. In between, I checked into the front desk several times. I said, is this thing still working? And uh, it was almost funny. And mom was taking walks back and forth. And eventually she was brought up to the pre-op room. And it was more crowded than I thought. There were about 10 different families and people waiting for their IV, getting ready for the operations. I really have not had much experience being in such a place. I definitely felt anxious for my mom. And the translators showed up. There were a lot of paper to be signed. There were um, multiple doctors who stopped by asking my mom this exact same questions. And they were pretty intense. And my mom took care of it, I think, to prepare the patients and let them know that there will be repeated questions and, you know, save their energy the day before as much as, as they can on the same day is very important. Um, what they're being asked to repeat are the procedures they need to know that is being done. And um, they ask about any loose dentures. For my mom, was all implants. That makes sense because they certainly don't want anything to kind of fall in uh, to your for you to swallow by accident. And I would say I looked around the different families. I noticed that my mom and I looked a bit odd because most of everybody else were husbands and wives. And there were one man who came in by himself. Definitely felt very different, you know, when you don't have a friend next to you. But most of them are the same age. They're couples. And clearly it was my mom and me. So I felt proud and really fulfilled the whole journey and knowing the fact that I could be there for her was probably the most comforting thing. And um, so the most <laughs> the most terrifying part, guys, was the IV because my mom has a very high pain tolerance always, but on top of that, she is diabetic. So she's very comfortable with needle poking into her skin, which way more comfortable than I am. But the challenging part, which is something I know for myself, if anything else comes up for me or my family, I'm going to request not to have an intern or, or, or a, um, this sounds kind of selfish, but I was very painful for me to watch the IV um, being done by someone who's learning how to do it. Meanwhile, being instructed by someone else. I mean, those those men were, those doctors were really kind at the same time. I definitely saw the pain my mom was going through twice. She was a bit nervous, but it it was literally making me feel very uncomfortable. But that was it. That was literally the worst part, guys. And as they were pushing her away into the operating room, even just leaving the pre-ops area, I remember myself sigh so loudly and literally everyone in the room turned, including the doctors who were pushing my mom away. They heard me, they paused, they looked around, and I apologized. And I looked at this couple next to me and they smiled and they thought it was probably like this unavoidable moment. And later on, I saw that man again who was waiting for... Um, his wife to come out and we just we had this bond you know and this i think this is kind of the humanity and humility part 
of it. And again, as they were pushing away, just watching, I watched my mom enter the double door into the OR, the operating uh, room. It was heartbreaking. It was very hard because I turned around because at some point I couldn't just keep following her. I turned around and thought that I was this little baby who's now a grown up, and I felt alone, even though I had been on my own for a long time since the age of seventeen. I'm thirty six now. The majority of my adult life was living in a foreign country on my own, and my mom, being very supportive, was living a thousand miles away. So that was the norm for us. But somehow in that moment. I felt lost. I wanted to be there for her. So after that, I made the decision to say it's almost noon and I'm going to eat lunch. I did not feel like eating, guys. But when you're taking care of a family or a friend, you gotta feel that. For you, the food is medicine. It feels you, even though it won't taste like anything at all. So I sat、um, at the cafe inside the hospital and just ate quietly on my own. Watching everyone else around me, mostly staff at the hospital, I assume, just by the gesture and the looks on their faces. Meanwhile, I listened to my favorite music on Spotify. I started with some quiet, steady music, but then I realized I needed something more upbeat. So、um, I went through Spotify, my playlist, and anything I hearted、um, were the songs I favorite. That I went there and I listened to some Zumba songs at all. Zumba music really cheer me up and help me relax because it's something that I I move to every single day. So I would recommend that you connect with something,、uh, a hobby or a moment or、um, kind of a mindset that will make you happy. So I thought about the things and experiences we have to go through and experience as human beings. I guess everyone sitting at that cafe. <laughs> Probably has had. We're going to have some bad IV at some point in their lives, and it's so, it's so difficult to think about. But to know that we're not alone in any, you know, in any、uh, on any level of suffering, whether it's small or huge, it's just part of being a human being. So the surgery lasted about two and a half hours.、Uh, I remember the time exactly: twelve seventeen p.m. to two. 46 p.m. During that time, I try to calm myself by going to Marshalls and TJ Maxx nearby, but I did not even feel like buying anything. For one, I didn't want to carry them. For two, just like the food, watching the clothes didn't really give me much joy. However, it did distract me very successfully, and it, it really helped me walk around because I walked very little last yesterday, and I remember coming home, regaining my own consciousness of. Noticing what happened, my knees were hurting just from all the sitting and and feeling anxious. So,、um, while I waited, I was thinking about like why is it taking so long? But I started posting a couple of images of myself, pictures of、uh, ourselves, my mom and I when I was very little.、Uh, meanwhile, the doctor called two forty six p.m. She said, "Hey, is this Fei?" She also spoke Chinese. It's benign. The cyst is out. The surgery is very successful. Her organs look fantastic, and I immediately ask, "Can she come home today?" She said, "The doctor said, 'Of course. You know, it's laparoscopic.'" I thanked the doctor. It was already 3 p.m., and she and her team hadn't even had lunch yet. They must be exhausted. Then an hour later, around 4 p.m., the nurse called because it takes my mom after general anesthesia about an hour to wake up. I rushed to the post-op waiting area.、I、was in a different building. The same man who was accompanying his wife 
gave me the nod and asked me to go in. And that moment was so memorable because that bond and knowing that we were both there for our loved ones, we're both exhausted and we wanted to see them so badly was this universal language. And I saw my mom at 4.15 p.m. Um, you know, it took me a little while to find her actually in the post-op room. And uh, I saw this long spreadsheets with so many different highlighters and just imagining how many people went through surgery that day. It looked maybe a little less than 100, but it was like pages of patients and uh, notes. And seeing my mom after general anesthesia was this kind of profound experience. She looked tired. But she almost woke up, her eyes just lit up when she saw me. And (laughs) so the next 45 minutes went really quickly. The nurse once again explained to me what we need to do. And I already learned everything even during the first appointment of my mom's first appointment at the hospital. And they gave me the spreadsheet. I translated everything and I was ready to go. And picking up mom, um, Adam came over and picked us up. And I remember so many cars double parked in front of the hospital inside or nearby the patient pickup area. It was Ubers and taxis and families. There's just a lot to navigate at the end of that day. And on the way home, I so wanted to celebrate the victory, but I was so tired and utterly exhausted to do it. Coming home, I gathered my last bit of energy. I wrote down the painkiller combinations, set mom's alarms every three hours and slept outside of her bedroom to make sure that she wakes up to take the meds. And then I prepared the crackers and water for her as well because I didn't want the painkillers to upset her tummy. So that was my end of day yesterday. And what's supposed to also happen is for me to launch another episode of the podcast, but I did not. And um, I should have scheduled it, but the past few weeks were so hectic. I wanted to share this with you guys and I want to remember this moment for myself And I understand not every single medical procedure will come through with what we call a victory. But I think what I learned is to treasure our family. They're not going to be here forever. And for our moments to be cherished, um, to be celebrated, and to have that conversation about end of life, to know what each other actually wants, especially loved ones. And, And for us to understand what we can do on a daily basis and to be mindful what does that mean is to allow us in between in this all these in-between moments to enjoy to live these moments to their fullest because i gotta say before the surgery and in between mom's appointments there's so many reasons to be miserable for both of us but we weren't and we went shopping we went dancing we're sitting in the hot tubs exchanging stories Um, It was not perfect, guys. It was not a perfect moment every single time. But it it was amazing to be able to do that. So, so much love to those uh, of you out there who's listening to this. And uh, if you're going through something like this, I, I feel like I'm seeing this on social media every... I wouldn't say every day, but like every other day, once you go through people's updates, once you talk to them, you pick up the phone and call them, you learn so much more than what you didn't know previously. So everyone's going through some sort of hardships. My heart goes out for you guys. And thank you for supporting me. I know a lot of you have, um, you know, kind of entered my life and, and, um, 
being so supportive of uh, these moments. So I really appreciate that. And please let me know if there's anything I can write about, talk about that will help you. And that will be an amazing experience for us. So that's it for this week. And I hope you keep on creating, sharing your stories because the world wants to hear it. And maybe you want to hear it for yourself or um, later on. So good night. I'm going to upload this now. Happy Friday night into the weekends and uh, do something fun with your family. And bye for now. See you next week.